this. I'm not trying to say nothing, but I'll just, this might help you help somebody else. What do you think? In this, in this, there's a story of some truck drivers eating lunch in this truck stop when uh, these uh, uh, three bikers step into the, this diner. And uh, the first biker says to him, he says, listen, you're sitting in my seat. And uh, he walks up to the guy, he puts his cigarette into the, the truck driver's pie. And then uh, the second bi- uh, biker walks over and spits on his plate. And then the third biker walks up and tips over his glass of soda. So without saying a word, the truck driver just got up and left. Paid his bill and left. So a couple minutes later, uh, one of the bikers says to the, uh, to the, the waitress, he, says, uh, he wasn't much of a man, was he? And she says, yeah, he's not much of a truck driver either. He just backed over three motorcycles. <laughs> Now, I know a lot of you have heard the expression, don't get mad, get what? Get even. That's the way a lot of us handle anger and slights and insults. It started when you were a little kid, right? Because your little sister would keep taking stuff from your room without your permission. So you go into her room, what do you do? You take some of her stuff, right? You give her a taste of her own medicine. You don't get mad, you get even. Or, you know, we play these silly games on the freeway, don't we, as grown people, especially grown men. Somebody comes up behind you at night, and they flash their high beams in your rearview mirror. So you slow down, let them pass, get behind them, and flash your high beams in their rearview mirror. And then they slow down and put on their brakes, and then you go around them. You know, you don't get mad, you get even, or so it goes, right? And that might be one potential way to deal with, with hurts, with anger, with bitterness, but God in his word has given us better ways of dealing with that. And I know this because of what 1 Peter 3.9 says, and this is what Peter writes. He says, do not repay uh, evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Notice that there's an imperative there. There's something that he tells you. There's something that, you are to, that we are to do. But there's a promise that, it, that goes along with the imperative. We've been called to a higher standard so that we may inherit a blessing. But here's the challenge. Many of us choose to hold on to bitterness. We choose to retain bitterness. And when we do that, we find ourselves la- laboring not under a blessing, but laboring under a curse. But the good news this morning, and what I want to leave with you today, is that you can be freed from the curse of bitterness. As we sang about freedom this morning, it is indeed true that it is for freedom. Christ has set us free, and that's why in the Word it says, don't allow yourselves to become entangled again in a yoke of bondage. And in that verse, Paul is talking about bondage to legalism, to the law, but, but it runs true across the, the board. Christ has called us to be free. It's for freedom that Christ set us free. We have been delivered and set free, and we can walk in and live in freedom from bitterness. So I want to take a few moments today and show you how this works. The first thing I want to do is look at a few characteristics of bitter folks, and then we'll see what the Bible teaches us about breaking free from bitterness. Now, one characteristic of a bitter person is that they tend to be hypercritical. Again, I I know none of y'all know know anybody like that, right? But you know what I'm talking about, right? 
You know, you know, it's like you're at church and someone says, why, why does that lady always give her a hug, but, but, but she never gives me a hug? Who does she think she is? She thinks she's all that, huh? You know, uh, it, it, it's, it's in, in places like this, in the church and in the workplace, it's, it's, it's bitter folks who always tend to be starting stuff because they are so hypercritical. They're the ones you can never please. As pastors, we know this well, although I, I have a wonderful, peaceful existence here at Grace Chapel, and, and God has placed a lot of wonderful people around me that don't nitpick me to death. But I, I talk to people, and you, you hear stories from ministry where no matter what you do as a leader, you can never get it right because there's always someone that wants to criticize you, right? So you preach 90 minutes, the sermon's too long. You preach 15 minutes, the sermon's too short. And actually, both of those are true, right? But you, but you preach 45 minutes too long, 30 minutes too short. No matter what you do, some people will always have something to say. Bitter people are overly critical. The second uh, characteristic of a bitter person is that they, they secretly celebrate the misfortunes of others. If someone ever cuts you off on the freeway and you find yourself wishing that the police would pull them over and give them a ticket... Sometimes it happens, and, some, and reckless drivers need to be dealt with, and they should be, uh, you know, deal with their driving. But we find ourselves rejoicing excessively in someone's misfortune. Uh, and we see that person pull over by the side of the road. We, we, we want to get out our car and shout and celebrate. You know, you reap what you sow. Hallelujah. Look at that, you know. That, that bitter people, they, 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 they uh, tend to celebrate the misfortunes of others. Another characteristic of bitter people is that they tend to write off whole groups of people. You know, I don't know anybody like that either, do you? Yeah. But, you know, it's like if your, your boyfriend breaks up with you, you say, all men are idiots. <laughs> you can't trust them as far as you can throw them. I'll never trust another man as long as I live. Uh, here's the, the challenge is this, though, that being bitter will never make things better. Writing off the whole female or male gender because of one bad person is a sign of bitterness. And so as we look this morning at Ephesians, the fourth chapter, we, we need to ask ourselves, what is it that I might be bitter about? Because it, the chances are that we might be harboring some, some, some root of bitterness in our hearts. There might be some person or some situation that we're holding on to, and we're holding on to bitterness about that situation. And so, you know, it could be something personal, right? It could be maybe someone dear to you. Maybe it was your spouse who said something years ago that hurt your feeling, and even though, even though they apologized, you still feel feel wounded and you've, you find yourself that you've become bitter. Or, or maybe, and this really is the, the case in, in more cases than we'd like to acknowledge, maybe you're bitter toward God. Because maybe you prayed and asked God uh, for something. Lord, I prayed in Jesus' name for you to do this. You didn't do it. Why? I actually had a conversation with a gentleman uh, one evening uh, not too long ago who, who uh, after I was teaching about prayer and talking about faith and talking about God, and they pulled me aside and they said that they had two things that they were really struggling with because there are two requests that they had had before the Lord for years and years, and God had not seen fit to answer any of them. And I could tell that this, this individual was, 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 was holding on to a little bit of bitterness toward God. They, they couldn't let this go. Lord, I ask you for this. I prayed for you to help me. Why didn't you do it? Why didn't you help me? But you know what? We can become bit, We can be bitter with other people. We can be bitter with God, towards God, or we can even be bitter towards ourselves. Do you know that? Sometimes we may look ourselves in the mirror and say, how could I have been so dumb? How could I have made that mistake? How, can I, how could I do that one thing that I made, that stupid mistake that cost me everything? 
But if you read the whole book of Ephesians, which I don't plan to do today, but it would be a good thing if you had time to do it, one of the, things, one of the messages you get from the, the sweep of the book is this, that God wants us as Christians to become mature, and God wants us to be unified in Christ Jesus. And one of the ways we do that is by learning to, hang, to handle anger, to handle resentment, to ha- handle uh, conflicts in a Christian manner. Ephesians 4.26 says this, Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Good news for you, it's still daylight savings time. You still have about six and a half, seven good hours to deal with it, right? But he says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. And then in verse 29, he says this, Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Then in verse 31, Paul says this. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Now, let's look at the word here. The word for bitterness carries the idea of deep resentment. And it's the same word that's used in Romans 3.14 to describe people outside of Christ who, and it says that their mouths are filled with cursing and bitterness, bitterness and resentment. You know, it's like you might, you might find yourself saying, you know, I've been working for the, at this job for, for, for uh, you know, 20 years and, what, and, and I get paid way less than I deserve and I'm, I'm sick and tired of this lack of appreciation and if I don't get a raise by the end of the year, then I quit. And, you know, I would say that, that person who comes off like that is probably bitter and they probably do need a raise and would probably be a good thing to ask for one. It wouldn't be a bad thing to, to shop, to float their resume and try to get a, a better job. But they also need to get rid of the bitterness that goes along with that. You, you hear me this morning? Uh, and then the next word on that list in this verse before us there, uh, verse 31, is rage. You know what rage is, right? A sudden explosion of anger. And how many have you ever seen someone explode with anger? It's not a pretty sight, right? You know, it, sometimes, in, you know, in, 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 when you're go, coming up in school, you might be sitting in a class and all the kids keep talking. And all of a sudden, the teacher says, and I won't get loud. They say very loudly, "Be quiet right now!" They might slam their hand down on the table and just get like, just go look from 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 two to ten, you know. And you say, "Wow, where did that come from?" Rage. And sometimes in our personal situations, we come off like that, and we can we can we can fly into a rage. The next word on the list is anger, and then there's an interesting word, word and that's brawling, which literally means in this context, fighting with words. Or brawling with words. And the same word is in Acts 23.9 used to describe the Pharisees and the Sadducees arguing back and forth. So it reminds me of this senator who was known for his hot temper. And he was tired of people ignoring his ideas. So one day in mid-session, he stood up on the Senate floor and he shouted, Half of this Senate is made up of cowards and corrupt politicians. Of course, that would be now, it would be like 90%. But... Uh, but anyway, the other, sen- the other sen- sen- senators deeply resented that, and they, they, they demanded that this, this, this angry senator uh, uh, withdraw his statement or otherwise have him removed from the Senate cha- chamber. So he, he thought about it for a long time, and then he, 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 he said, okay, I withdraw my, st- my statement. He says, half of this Senate is not made up of cowards and corrupt politicians. Get it? Half of this is not made up to, you know, the other. So it's the same way of saying the same thing, 
right? And then, now that's when we say them sound like some fighting words right there, right? But God says that there's no room for fighting words in the family of faith. Uh, and then th- there are two more words on the list, you know, going forward. But, but we, you know, we get the idea. God wants us to get rid of all forms of anger and bitterness. And so we ask ourselves the question this morning, how can I break free from bitterness? And you know what? It, it, it's, it, that's a daunting question, isn't it? Because sometimes it seems that when we're, when, we're, when we're overtaken by that, it's hard to get free. But the secret is this. This is how you... This is how you break free from bitterness, what you do is you replace your bitterness with kindness and compassion. That's why he says in verse 32, he says, be kind and compassionate to one another. I know what you're thinking. Not because I have some spiritual word of knowledge or gift, or word, you know, but I know what you're thinking. You say, what if I don't feel like being kind and compassionate? What if I'm too angry to be kind and compassionate? But see, I have often tried to teach this, and, and, and that is that one of the keys to growth in Christ, one of the keys to, to spiritual maturity, one of the keys to a mature Christian life, really one of the key, keys to the kingdom of God, is to realize and to begin to live by the reality that feelings follow action and not the other way around. And we live by this false notion that action follows feelings. And it does sometimes, but it's not, that's not a reliable indicator. It's an unreliable way to live, and it'll get you nowhere in your Christian walk. So you say, what if I don't feel like being kind and compassionate? What if I'm too angry to be kind and compassionate? And here's the answer, that kindness is not a feeling that you feel. Kindness is a choice that you make. It means this. It means saying, even though I'm frustrated with my marriage, I'm not going to let bitterness poison my relationship with God. I, I, I once read a story about a lady who went to see her psychologist. She said, I have a lot of bitterness toward my husband. I want a divorce. Not only that, I want to hurt him for all the times he's hurt me. So the psychologist said, okay, this is what you've got to do. This is what you've got to do. For the next three months, Go out of your way to be affectionate. Tell him how much you love him. Tell him how proud you are of him. Tell him that, you, that you, you're praying for him. Tell, tell, leave him little notes, love notes on the bed and get him a nice birthday present. And after you fool him into thinking that you're more in love with him than ever, then bam, hit him with the divorce papers. And that's how you're going to hurt him. So, you know, she went home and got to work on that. Six months later, she goes back to her psychologist, and she says to him, she says, I did what you said. Kyle said, good. Now's the time for you to file for divorce. And she said, I don't want a divorce. I love my husband more than ever. Because once she started showing kindness and compassion, the bitterness went away, and the good feelings came back. That's how it works. And so remember this, love and kindness are things that you do, not things that you feel. You can't just sit around waiting for bitter feelings to go away. Because guess what, and some of you know this, they will not, will they? You have to take action. 1 John 3.18 says this, Dear children, let us, love, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. 
Do you see that? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Love is something that is, that, 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 that comprised, is comprised of action. And then the Bible gives us one more thing that we have to do to break free from bitterness. You have to replace bitterness with forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32 says this, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Amen? Now, there's a story of these two old monks, and uh, they had a tradition. Their tradition wasn't just not to go out to dinner alone with a woman like some people, but their, their tradition was never to touch a woman. Not a handshake, not a hug, not a pat on the back, nothing. No contact ever. So one day they're traveling and they come, come up to this river, and on the side of the river there's this tearful woman in a wedding dress. And so they ask her, what's the matter? And she said, I'm getting married today, but the bridge is washed out and the church is on the other side of the river, and I don't want to get my wedding dress wet. So the monks had this dilemma. So finally, the first monk said, I think God wants us to do something. I think God wants her to help. So he picked her up and carries her across the bridge so that her dress doesn't get wet. He sets her down. He sets her down on the other side. And with tears in her eyes, she says, thank you so much. I'm glad you were here. And she gives him a big hug. Now, after she left, the other monk looked at him and said, how dare you? How dare you break our tradition by touching a woman? And the, the first monk said, well, I, I thought this was a thing that God wanted me to do. And so the next day, the, the second monk, he's still fuming. He's still angry. He says, I just can't believe you would break the rules of the holy order. And the first monk says, listen, man, I was just trying to help. And then on the third day, the second guy was still mad. He said, I just can't believe you did what you did. And finally, the, this is what the first monk said. He said this, look, with all due respect, my brother, I set the woman down three days ago. You're the one who's still carrying her. <laughs> And let me say this to you this morning. Some of you are still carrying burdens that God designed and destined for you to set down a long time ago. And it's time for you to set it down. It's time for you to let them go. It's time for you to give them up. It's time for you to forgive. It's time for you to get over it. It's time for you to move on. Your bitterness is literally killing you. Ron McManus put it like this. Bitterness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Some of us are sick in our physical bodies because of bitterness. Others of us are stuck in our lives because of bitterness. And those with whom we're angry, they're doing just fine. They're going on about their lives. Amen. There was a comedian when I was growing up by the name of Buddy Hackett. I don't know if he's still alive. Yeah, that shows how old I am, right? But he, he, I, I came across this quote by him. He said this. He said, yeah, I've had a few argument, people. But I never carry a grudge. So you know why? While you're carrying a grudge, they're out dancing. And, and, and it's really true. You, you've, I've seen people, I, and I, I, there, there, were, there were a couple times, my, my wife and I, I think, can relate to this. There were a couple times, we, we knew people that were like, had stuff going against us that we had nothing to do with, but they, they were consumed by it. And, you know, and we look and say, wow, we're having a lot of fun. We have a good life. We, you know, we're enjoying all the stuff we do. And, 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 you know, we got, you know, and this person, you look at them, and they're just like miserable. And it's like, why? Let it go. Isn't it time for you to get free? Isn't it time for you to forgive? Colossians 3.13 says this. 
Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Let me read it one more time. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you, and undoubtedly some of us have grievances with other people in our lives, that's just the way life is. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the, get this, forgive as, as the Lord forgave you. Now, I, I wanted to do, a, I wanted to do a, 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 a lexical analysis of the word whatever. I wanted to find out what the word what really means. I wanted to get the nuances of the word and, and the contextual understanding of the word. I found out what the word whatever means. You know what it means? Whatever. <laughs> whatever it is, it needs to be forgiven. You say, but it hurts real bad. Whatever it is, my friend, it needs to be forgiven. Oh, oh but I, it cost me so much. But whatever it is, it needs to be forgiven. But, but I, I lost so much. Uh, whatever it is, it needs to be forgiven. Oh, but, but, but it was so painful. Whatever it is, it needs to be forgiven. I'm going to go broken record up in here on y'all. But it wasn't fair. Whatever it, ne- it, it is, it needs to be forgiven. And not only that, if you want God to forgive you, then you don't have a choice in the matter. Because Jesus says this in Matthew six fifteen. He says, But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And I, I'm not going to go into all the details about that verse. I just take it at face value and let it slap you upside the head. This is the Master. He says, But if you... Do not forgive others their sins. Your Father will not forgive your sins. And I have a sneaking suspicion as to why that, how that works. Because it's not that you're forgiving others as a work that you do to earn salvation. But it is this. If you're the kind of person to refuse to give anyone else grace in their lives, you're probably not the kind of person that sincerely reaches out, reaches out to Jesus for his grace. You probably still halfway think you're, you're earning your keep in the faith. It's a a certain hardness of heart that goes along with that that precludes you from being able to to be in a position with Jesus to even receive forgiveness. He says, says, if you don't forgive their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I don't want to miss out. I don't want to be in that category. So, if you're having a hard time forgiving someone, you might say something like this. Lord, there are certain people in this world that I just can't forgive in my own strength. I'm so mad at, you know who, whoever it is, that sometimes I don't even want to pray for them. Lord, I know this is a terrible thing to say, but would you help me do what I'm unable to do, what I cannot do on my own? You understand, you understand the components of, of a prayer like that? Number one, be honest with God about the fact that, yeah, you've got, some, you've got issues with somebody. Be honest about the fact that you cannot forgive them in your own strength. Be honest about the fact that you don't even want to pray for them. You, don't, you wish them no well. Sometimes you wish evil upon them. And, and, and along with that, acknowledge the fact that it's not the right place to be and ask God to help you do what you can't do in your own strength. It takes the power of God on the inside of us. It takes, it's a work of the Holy Spirit that it takes to bring about, to, to, to enable us to forgive as the Lord has forgiven us. And the same God who loves you and me wholeheartedly wants you to love others wholeheartedly. The same God who wants to forgive you wants you to forgive others. And with God's help, if you replace bitterness and kindness with, comp- and comp- 
if you replace bitterness with kindness and compassion, you make the choice to forgive, you can get better, my friends, from bitterness. So this morning, as we close this message, I want to ask you this. How many of you are willing to take that step of faith? That step of faith and obedience, amen? Let's pray together. Father God, in the name of Jesus this morning, we thank you for the grace of God in Christ that has freed us from our sins. We thank you that we've been washed, we've been redeemed, we've been forgiven, we've been graced, blessed. We're seated in heavenly places in Christ. But Lord, as believers, as those who are following you and who love you, some of us this morning are hurt, some of us are wounded, some of us carry scars, some of us are carrying bitterness from things that have happened to us, things that should not have happened to us, that were not right. Nevertheless, we find ourselves stuck in, 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 in those situations, stuck in that mindset. So this morning, Lord, we confess to you our bitterness. We bring our grievances before you. We know that you're the righteous judge, and so we bring them before you. We acknowledge this morning that we can't, in our own strength, deal with our bitterness. We can't, we can't eradicate it. We can't rid ourselves of it. We realize this morning that we need your help to do that. And so what we ask today is that you would help, number one, bring to our mind, help us to see, by the work of the Holy Spirit, areas of bitterness in our hearts. Help us to be real about it. And God, would you, would you free us from bitterness as you enabled us by your divine power to forgive others just as you have forgiven us. This is what we ask today in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that there would be a wave of freedom that would sweep over your people today as we begin to release these old things and we embrace the new thing that you want for our lives. But we can't embrace the new without letting go of the old. The, the wine that you want to pour into our lives, the wine of the, the, of the fresh work of the Holy Spirit needs to be poured into fresh wineskins. And so, Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, we speak a word of renewal and revival and blessing over your people in the name of Jesus. We thank you and praise you. Holy Spirit, do that deeper work in our hearts, in our lives. Holy Spirit, free us from, from malice and anger and grudges and, and bitterness. Lord, set us free from all of those things that would, that, would, that would hold us in bondage. It is for freedom that we've been set free. Let us not be entangled in a, in a yoke of bondage in the name of Jesus. Let those chains fall off of our feet right now. Let those shackles fall off of our wrists right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you and we praise you for the work that you are doing in our lives. Lord, it's a wonderful thing to be able to say that uh, to be without, as Jesus was described, as being without malice and guile. And it's hard to get there, but Lord, would you do that deeper work in our lives? Free us in the name of Jesus. And Lord, right now, we thank you in advance for what you're doing in this moment and what you'll do going forward in our lives. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Okay. Okay, we have a young lady who requested.